What's your passion? We're on a mission to make a real difference. Soulfront. At Soulfront, we're on a mission to interview interesting people with a passion to make significant change. Our interviews are conversational, lighthearted, and we like to inject some fun in there too. We're looking for the person behind the passion to understand what it takes to be significant. So please join us. I want to tell you about Work Nicer. Work Nicer is a co-working space based in Alberta that's growing by the hundreds. Located at the Roxbury, Stephen Avenue, and Red Mile locations in Calgary, and now the Beaver House in Edmonton, it continues to grow. What they say at Work Nicer is no one succeeds alone and that you belong here. Their culture is devoted to friendliness, openness, and it's just a fun place to work. My favorite is Drink Nicer on Fridays, but there's so many different activities to do. It's truly an electric place for entrepreneurs, artists, and creators to spend their time. I highly recommend that you book a tour. Now back to the show. Well, Jeremy, you know what? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for for joining us today. Yes, thanks for having me. I just wanted to kind of go over a little bit of you. Now, you have a background, about 10 years in technical operations in the TV business and broadcasting with the CBC Global and other television networks. You had experience, you know, in management, sales, marketing, leadership in that Mm -hmm. space. Kind of something always core to that was building culture, Mm -hmm. trying to be a part of something greater. Mm -hmm. In 2002, you moved over to SNS Technologists. You worked your way through that that business to become the director of operations. More recently, you've become the president of, mm-hmm. of that company. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a story that you tell. 2002, you were an intern. Mm-hmm. There are three owners at that time. 10 years later, you moved into a, a more business role that, and then focused on operations. And then today, now you're the president mm-hmm. and, and you like to tell that story. Sure. I like what I've, I've kind of jotted down here. It's just, when you speak to your staff, you say, well, you know, why can't you be right? right. And, and I love that sentiment. So I love the background of who you are and there's the number of other things that you do, board of directors with the downtown business association, also a committee member with the YWCA. So if someone were to turn and ask, you know, what do you do? <laughs> what do you say? What, what do I do? It's funny. At the core, uh, you know, I'm president of an IT company. Sure, that's that's the function of what I am and, and what our company is, and and running that division, uh, that 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 company. Really, uh, you know, at the core of what I do is I, I work with people. Best part of my day, and the reason I get up in the morning is to work with people and to deal with people, whether it be my customers, whether it be my team, be my friends, and anybody that I deal with. That's what drives me. Day for me, really, uh, you know, at SNS looks like uh, meeting with my team members uh, usually once a week and going through uh, sort of our long term strategies, where we are on, on the roadmap to our five year plans, what's, uh, what's driving things from an ec- economic part, but also from a cultural piece of where's the team, what are they doing, how are they interacting. Uh, that's sort of my, my big picture, right? That's what I do. Mm. Community involvement is also a big part of what I do as well. One of the things I struggled with over the years, being a fairly left-leaning person politically, was when I got into business, I always felt like I was 
not being true to my my inner self as far as uh, some of those pursuits where you know trying to give back so it was really important to me and has been important to SNS was to make sure that we were involved in the community in, in different areas whether that's not just through charitable donations or things like that but also through giving back volunteering so that's where my move to the deeds to, to get involved in the downtown core and helping shape the downtown business uh, association help shape the type of businesses that come into the core and stay in the core from not just from an economic level but from a cultural level that sort of lent to um, we about two years ago three years ago I, I got sat down with my uh, a couple of my um, clients and said you know what we should do a we should do a golf tournament everybody knows that the reason you do all these events and a lot of times it, it's obviously it's a networking event and it can turn into more business but at the core of it it was you know let's do this as a fun event and then let's give some money to charity so sat down with the, the two business owners that we do it with. One of the things that for us was let's let's make sure it's a children's charity we give to. That's really what started us more into that charitable space and what really got me more involved in, in the in charitable organizations in the city. Because, uh, you know, everybody likes to make money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, it's, it's what drives a lot of people. And I like making money too. But when I get to stand up and give a a $30,000 or a $50,000 check to a charity, I leave that day with a sense of accomplishment and a sense of feeling that I've done something and I've helped and not, uh, it almost gives me uh, more of a, more enjoyment than, than putting money in my bank account in a lot of ways because it's the right thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's more to it though, than just giving a, a check to an organization. It's finding out what that organization's about, what their struggles are, what what does that money actually translate to? So finding out what charities that I get involved in and what their core purposes are is really important to me. And that's why, you know, we always try to pick a charity that the most funds go to go to the organization. We go and visit the organizations. We try to find out what their what their purposes are, as I said earlier. And also, you know, where the struggles are and where we can help. So then sometimes the other things that happens is well, how can I get involved more than just on the financial side? How can I get involved at a board level or an operational level? What do you need? Okay, you know, we have some charities that they can't afford IT, so well, I can provide you with some services there or at least, uh, you know, give advice and those kinds of things. Now, I really want to get into SNS, where it's at, the culture, the other dynamics and outside pursuits, definitely, sure. and try to shape the downtown core and, and those types of things. But I want to bring it back and talk about you. Go a little bit into you and your past and your journey sure. to this point. If I were to like, if we were to bring it back, talk about things that were sparks in your life mm. that led you toward where you are now. Things that stick out in your mind mm-hmm. uh, as stories. Yeah. What would there be that you'd want to bring up? That's a great question. One of the things in my past, uh, when I was in high school, I wasn't an A student, probably, uh, you know, a C student at best. And it wasn't that I wasn't smart or I wasn't intelligent. I just, I, I just didn't, academics just didn't throw me. So anytime I've ever done anything in life, I have to enjoy it. I have to be passionate about it in order to succeed at it. I realized that. When I came out of high school with that average, and I mean, I could go and get a test and put my mind to it and get an A on it, but most times it just kind of floated through. But I was always very good at bringing people together. I was very good at getting people to uh, come together for a common good. 
So one of my guidance counselors, you know, sort of said to me, you know, you like the technical side of things. So, you know, what about broadcasting? What about theater? Because I used to work in theater, did lighting and all that kind of stuff. And one, one thing that he kind of indicated to me was, these are your only options. You know, I didn't like that. Okay, yeah, I'm not an A student, but I'm smart enough. I can sort of figure it out. Let's, you know, let's, let's see what's out there. But at the time, I sort of took the path of what came easy to me. And at that time, technical side of, of life, you know, whether it be it was in photo- into photography, into audio sound. So that's where, where television made sense, right? Got into that space and then really moved into the technical side of things. That was sort of the first part. One of the, the next sort of phases of my, of my journey was in the technical side of any industry comes innovation and change. As you can see, whether it be, you know, automation in car making, automation in any kind of industry, well, people get sort of pushed aside for technology. They can do more jobs quicker, faster, more efficiently. So one of the things I started to see very quickly in, in the television industry is that at one time it would take 10 people to do a job, then it would take, you know, seven, five, four, three, and it would go down through the line. And what really happened was a lot of people would complain about that. I would see the complaints, well, why, why you know, this is our job, why is technology taking our jobs away? And I looked at it and said, well, I could sit here and complain and sit by the wayside and be deemed obsolete, or... I'm going to go learn that piece of equipment that then runs those three or four people's jobs and I'm going to still be relevant. So I think part of that, I became a bit of a survivalist in that way. Mm -hmm. And that sort of um, kept me ahead of things. And I just, I'm not the type of person to sit down and and just complain and sort of be that person. I'm just, you know, I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to conform and change and, and try to stay ahead. So with that idea of survival. Yeah. You're in the television space. That has definitely changed over Absolutely the years. Absolutely sure has. Can you give me an example of where you could really see the change and how you pivoted, how you, yeah. how you moved? Sure. When I came to Alberta in 2000, I came here for a job in television. My wife coming was uh, in university and she had her master's degree and I thought Alberta would be a great place for her to find a job. I, I had a job so I came out here and got one and it was it was a great move. But when I came out here I, I, I knew at that time even in 2000 that I wasn't going to stay in that industry. I was pretty sure you know I'll give it one you know one more kick at the can. I had a sort of an opportunity to, to move into management. I didn't and because I saw the industry changing so much. The biggest one was the advent, you know, the internet was still in its infancy in 2000. It was just sort of the post.com boom. But IT was really up and coming and there was, there were more jobs out there for people to, you know, maintain computers, networks, business solutions. So I, I decided at that point that I'd had enough of, you know, the television industry and I wanted a fresh start into something different. The big thing was I kept saying to my, uh, my colleagues in television, I kept saying, you know, the Internet's the future. Uh, I can see a point in time where the Internet, television is going to be served through the Internet. So the two industries were going to sort of meld together. I just really saw it as I can either, I'd have to jump ahead into some role in, in the broadcasting industry. And I didn't feel at that time that it was something that I wanted to do. So I needed to sort of pivot into a, into a different industry. And then IT became an industry, right? Mm-hmm. 
and again, it, it was a it was a survival thing, right? At, at that time, because this was even in my career. At that point, I wasn't thinking about being an entrepreneur. I wasn't thinking about being a leader in a company. I was just thinking about having a job. Mm. One thing about me is I come from um, I come from the Maritimes, right? I'm from New Brunswick. So down in that part of the world, in that part of this country, especially uh, you know a child of the late '80s, recession in the '90s, things like that, you're always looking over your shoulder. You're always waiting for the other shoe to drop for you not to have a job. Even to that to this that point, even today, that's sort of the case down there. So I was, you know, I was just looking for the thing that was gonna was gonna sustain, right? It was gonna actually be something that I could do for the next twenty or thirty years. So I thought, you know, hey, IT is a great career. I like it. I enjoy it, um, and I was passionate about it, and it made sense. So that pivot point really was, and anywhere in my career has always been sort of keeping ahead of the curve in some sort of some sort of industry or some sort of place where I was actually going to have something, right? And mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was going to outlast me. I was going to outlast So what was the first foray into the IT industry? Do you remember going into that space? Did you feel confident in that space? Because yeah. it would be very new. In um, I'm a fake it till you make it kind of person. So I'm, yeah, I, I didn't know. I wasn't unconfident. I had done a bit in technology, so that the transition from one technology to the next, I've always been a technical person, so it wasn't that difficult for me. I, you know, I'd built my own computers and those kinds of things uh, in the late 90s, so, and that's the kind of stuff I did. I learned, you know, I'd buy all the parts, put it together, tinker around, so that was pretty natural to me. What I realized, though, along the way was that my ethic and my hard work would outlast my knowledge and my intellect. So, okay, I'm not the guy that can do this. I'm the guy that's going to take the chance at it, and I'm the guy that's going to be able to, to be able to fix and see where this is going to go, but I don't have the knowledge to do that. So in our industry, especially in IT, there's usually a, a sense of protectionism. You need to be the smartest guy in the room. That is very, very prevalent in our industry because I think why, the reason that is is a lot of technical people are fairly insecure. Uh, I'm not an insecure person, so me standing up and going, hey, I know we got to do this database upgrade, or I know we got to install this type of mail server for the client, but I don't know how to do it. It never bothered me to go, hey, can you help me, and can you do this for me? Mm-hmm. So that's what would start to happen. Mm-hmm. I sort of started to transition into this area where I was not the guy doing. I was the guy sort of visioning things out and then having people help me along the way. So that's sort of that, and that's sort of where the transition from uh, the sort of technical side of doing to the the sort of more operations and management side. And when you're working with, you know, the CBC and mm-hmm. Global, they're larger size organizations. Yep. yep. You made the choice to try something new mm. and work for a company that had a few mm. people working for yep. it. How did you feel about that? And what was kind of the the point at which you said, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something different. Uh, that's, a, that's a great question because at the time, that was a struggle for me. I I'd moved to Alberta. I'd been working a year. I, I just got married and I come to my wife and I say, I'm going to quit my job that I've been in a stable career for 10 years and go back to school. So it was a challenge because I don't know how much you know about the broadcast industry, but I worked in live news. So there's a ton of action. Mm-hmm. So something's always happening. There, it's it's high adrenaline, a lot of emotion, and everything has a deadline, right? You got to get everything to six o'clock. 
So when I started in IT, I was really worried that that was something that I was going to miss. And in the early days, you did, but it, and I missed that. But the, the focus kind of shifted to a, you know, the longer term strategies and, you know, and, and somebody's email down or something like that was still as important as having a news clip ready for six o'clock. And sometimes you could argue more important because obviously business, money, time lost. To get back to your original question, though, I had an opportunity as soon as I got to school here and I finished my my, uh, my program and I got my certifications and my Microsoft certifications, I had an opportunity to go work for TELUS. And it was a, you know, it was a help desk position, pretty straightforward. And I think it was, I don't know, mid thirties a year. And then I had an opportunity to go work for SNS, which was three guys that started it. I was the second employee. I think there was one other person working there other than the three original founders and myself. And it was about $10,000 less a year. And it was less than I was making in the television industry. And I sat there and I went, okay, let's play this out. You're going to go work for TELUS. You're going to be in a big organization, just going to be a number. And it was a safe bet, for sure. It was more money at the time. And not an instant, you know, $10,000 a year, anytime you know, is, is, is a lot of money. Well, even back then, it was quite a bit more. But I, I knew that I wouldn't have the opportunity. And I knew that I would be in the same position I was and in a, in a great big, large organization and not be able to affect change. But in a smaller organization, that was, it was really, a, it was a startup. I thought I'd have an opportunity to affect change and to have my voice heard. So that was the, the choice I made at that time. It turned out to be the right choice. But it was, uh, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it, was a, it was a fork in the road for sure. That core group of people that you started with. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the dynamics when you started? Kind of the, the adventure that you were on and how you felt like you were on a firm footing? Sure. When the company started, it was pretty wild west. I mean, there was three guys. We were working out of the trunk of our cars. Not a lot of training. You know, you, you, you kind of learned as you went, right? And, and you had to survive time the the three founders they didn't really have a long-term vision for the company then they just wanted to get out and, and make a living at that time you know for me it was just about you know having a job and learning my craft the three gentlemen that started it they uh, they had an idea early on that they wanted to sort of provide ownership to the rest of the team which was which is great and, and that was something that they were very very firm with so I, I think if that was anything that they had as a vision it was that sort of hey let's let's sell down to the individuals that are coming along and, and make them partners which was something that at that time you know I, I, I didn't even I hadn't even considered when I started working for them it was just it was a job to me right and it was opportunity but it wasn't something that I really had thought about until it was presented to me a couple of years later when that was presented to me, it was a it was a no brainer. It was like, a, yeah, here's an opportunity to buy in, and sure, let's let's. And at that point, you know, we had seven or eight people starting to make some traction and get more mature. It's funny because I never once thought that being in a small company, what if it didn't exist? What would happen to me? Mm. I never actually thought of it as I don't have a safety net, and. That occurred to me years later that I never felt that way. Uh, my wife would always say, well, you know, you don't work for a very, very big company, but what happens if? And I go, well, I'm part of it. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. And that's where the shift sort of happened in my mind that I wasn't the one that needed to be uh, cared for. I'm part of this, and now I'm an owner, and I'm actually the one that needs to make sure that this 
corporation is there to satisfy the needs of the employees. And that was the real shift for me. Even to this day, running a you know, multi-million dollar company with you know, 70 employees, I don't think about myself to the point of if the company goes under, I don't worry about me. I worry about everybody else because I know I can land on my feet and sustain my life. Okay. So those are the kind of things that, that, and I started to realize that, and when I stopped worrying about that or stopped worrying about all those things, things just get easier. Decision points get easier. You're able to have more objectivity. And if you, I keep that at the forefront of my mind, right, all the time. Like, don't think about yourself when you get up in the morning. Worry about the people you serve. And it really, it helps you be a stronger leader. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, it sort of takes the, the worry away, which mm-hmm. is in a strange way. When I think about the the industry that you're in Mm -hmm. and kind of the challenges of a lot of businesses and people today it is understanding that that things are are changing so quickly and they they have to adapt they have to have this kind of change mentality you had as one of your core values for sns is to evolve yeah can you maybe go into that a little bit and talk about what evolving means to you and why it's important today? I think every everybody is always evolving and changing. Uh, and for SNS and for me personally, never being satisfied with status quo. Always pushing yourself outside your comfort zone always looking to that next you know what am i what's next because as soon as you get comfortable you stop learning and you get complacent evolve and core values is really the story is uh because for us was we had to evolve because when we were a small company in a startup for me for example i I, you know i I was a a, i was a purchaser i was uh, i was a tech i was doing my billing i was doing all those things so i had to evolve into areas that i had no i didn't know how to do billing but i had to do it because that's just the way it was right so what we really sort of done in 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 technology being being such an industry that changes all the time the learning curve is steep and to stay ahead of it is virtually impossible. But if you're not comfortable with change or comfortable with evolving within yourself in a role, then usually at our organization, you, you get you get complacent pretty quickly and then you get left behind. So we, we're just always trying to push individuals to, to learn and to get outside their comfort zone and, and try different things. The challenge with that can be change and change management because... Things are changing at such a rapid pace right now that that is a certainly in, in I think in the world and in, in, in the business sector is change is happening so much how you keep up with that change. So it's uh, it, it is it is interesting and it is something that pushing that that organizational change down and for all those reasons to as to why is to keep ahead new technologies new ways of doing things it's it has been a challenge and it continues to be for us but because we always point to that core value of evolve when somebody's not pushing themselves at least it it starts those conversations as to how we can get better at 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 you know staying on top of it when you start off and you're an owner and at SNS there's 
employee ownership. Mm-hmm. There's there's that buy-in factor. But when when thing gets things get bigger and bigger, yeah. uh, what happens is you may have people who are buying in, and then you you might not have people who are, are totally bought into different ideas. So if, if you're going to evolve, yep. right, like how do you do it? What are examples of actually giving the space so you can do it? So what we've really done is a culture of trying and, and failure, and failure is okay. So actually, I'm, I'm trying to put something around compensation around risk-taking. My accountant has a real hard time with that because, <laughs> well, so you're telling me we have to pay somebody to fail. Yes, because I, for me, all my key learnings in life have been through failures. Not all, but a lot of them, right? Okay, that didn't work, right? And it's the analogy of you miss every shot you don't take. Around that, we, it's okay to fail. I mean, it's not okay to continually fail and, 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 and do the same thing over and over again and, 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 and repeat, the, repeat the mistake, but it is okay to try something and, and give some, some space of creativity. So one of the things that we're doing now is we're putting an innovation team together where the creativity piece is 20% of their time in a segment of the company, all they're doing it's an idea session and they're going to, they're trying and building things and trying new ways of, of doing things and, and testing the status quo. So that has been, uh, that's been very successful for us and been very good, but it, it, it's, it's tough because every time you change something, you disrupt the current process and not every time you change something does a, the current process, is it better than the old process or is that current process, the new process actually implemented properly? So it's easy to say, and, and it, it, is, it is an idea and it is, a, it is a cultural thing, but sometimes there has to be execution points and checks and balances to make sure that you're changing for the right reasons. So it's a balance between the creativity, yep. the creative play space, at the same time trying to understand how you can yep. put checks and balances. That's right. Bit. There's a fine line between that space where, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs would see this. I mean, there's the, you see the curve where the disruption is and where the pain points are in any business and finding out where that that idea is to fix that problem. It can either be, you know, something that can fail miserably or it can actually be, come up with something that's quite innovative and then can be the next big thing, right? We're not, that, that's not primarily what we do. We're, you know, we, that's part of our business is coming up with solutions. But it is in those, in those pain points in any organization is where the, where the ideas come from. And what we've really done is turned in, internally on ourselves where there are actual problems that we have and we're solving solutions for ourselves. And we've done that. And then so how can we take those solutions we built internally for processes and then turn them outward to the outward to outward or to our clients and then show them where some of these things are. And that's what we're starting to do as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just, uh, it takes away from creativity sometimes take away, takes away from the day to day doing of, of your regular job. So it, it can be, it's a balance, but we talked about this a little bit before the show, the idea of disruption and 
and you've also talked about the idea of this fear that people are having nowadays where and in, in your past job in TV where you disrupt an industry and yep. people lose work now you know what do they do mm-hmm. and it's it's not an easy it's not an easy path for a lot of folks mm-hmm. do you see a happy place with disruption <laughs> I do here's the thing you can't stop change so you either are disrupted or you disrupt as an industry I do believe there's a happy place there is the advances in technology now and the good things that all the things that are happening out there uh, I think will far outweigh the negative whether it comes with AI in the medical industry uh, whether it be in the technical industry or you know or, or all these things they suit needs that are out there there in one thing about in the technology sector is there's not a a mass amount of jobs being lost because of disruption there's usually creates more jobs i think what happens though is that the 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 issue is and especially where i came from in the maritimes is it's okay to do, th- you know, I'm doing the same thing my dad did. I, my dad was a police officer. I'm going to be a police officer. Well, my dad worked at the mill. I'm going to work at the mill. I think what we have to encourage young people today is to think outside the box and do things that are different. Actually not be, do what, you know, you want to do, follow your passions, right? So I, I think that's where the balance is and the happy medium is. In our organization, I encourage free thought and I encourage creativity. If somebody comes to me with an idea and says, you know what, I think this is a great idea. I think we could, you know, maybe monetize it and, and, and be profitable with it. Well, okay, well, that's great. Let's let's see what, what that looks like. So I think that's where the happy medium is. I think by listening to everyone in your organization, and I think that's where some of that disruption can come from because that's where the ideas are, not just you know, staying the same and no, we're not going to, we're not going to look at that because that's the way we've always done it. Sort of stopping that thought, that thought process and trying to create jobs out of some of those things. And that's what we do. We try to, right? I was just thinking about your business and it's growing and you have a a larger amount of employees than, than you had in the past. You know, it becomes a bigger responsibility. Sure. How do you manage that growth and how do you bring in people to talk with when you're at the top, when you're the, mm. the president to, right. to figure it out? Well, I have a great, I have a very strong leadership team. Uh, so that's very helpful. They've been with me and, you know, we've come up together. Uh, two of the three in my leadership team, we started around the same time. So that's very helpful, but also, you know, brought out some outside uh, talent in finance and HR to help along with that. And that's been just, just, a, just really, really key for me personally. I have uh, many peers throughout the city and, and mentors that I utilize in, uh, in business. I'm in a peer group in the city uh, with different CEOs and that's just, that's a huge help uh, uh, just to sit down and, um, and, and, and sort of bounce ideas around and go over over things. One of the things about being a leader, president of a company, is it can be a lonely job because you're always looked at as the one that's supposed to have the answers, right? Because, oh, you're the, the top dog, top person. And that's usually inversely the opposite because you, what is the right answer today might not be the right answer tomorrow. So having access to different people, being open to new ideas, having uh, the ability to 
let go of, of things and just sort of not be stubborn is, is a key quality, I think, for me. Okay, this worked yesterday, but this situation is different. I need to, to, to reach out for answers. So asking for help and being the first person to say, I don't know the answer to that, right? And that usually, that humility is very helpful as being a leader because I don't know all the answers, but I do have the ability to sit back and, and say that I don't and ask for help. And so that's uh, that's been very key for me. Keeps you sane too. <laughs> <laughs> you have your employees and, and new folks that would be coming to your organization. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned in the past that, hey, I started off as an intern. Yep. Now I'm the president. Yep. If you were to go back to your 20-year-old self or 30-year-old self, what kind of advice would you give yourself, you know, jumping into this industry? Probably my first thing I would tell myself uh, as far as being a leader, keep your mouth shut a little longer at times. You know, my younger self was a little more brash. I'm still brash and opinionated. I just know how to bite my tongue and, and listen a little bit more. <laughs> really funny. I often think, what would my 20, I'm 46 years old, my 26-year-old self think about me today? I don't know. Uh certainly probably the first thing you know like oh you're a sellout you know your 26 your ideals of all you get but you know i i don't i don't i don't agree with that now but that's probably what that person would say uh but the advice i certainly would give would be uh, be a little more patient be a little more uh willing to listen to to other people's ideas don't be don't be so stubborn because that certainly was my my past self. Learned a lot through trial by fire. It's all life is all about a journey, and and I think one of the things for me is having that self awareness that you know and, and admitting you're wrong is really big uh, to be a leader in any in any leader. Because I think that's a people people fail right people make mistakes but there's such a such a thing in society with we get beat up when we're wrong admitting you're wrong is 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 a huge piece we make mistakes and so when we can let go of that fear around mistakes and and again can't completely you know make those mistakes and, and, and i'm not talking about incompetence but i'm talking about being okay with you know hey mm-hmm. let's let's move through it and that's that's the biggest thing i think i would uh, that's that advice i would give myself you know jeremy thanks so much for for taking the time to yeah. come out and chat at the end of the podcast, I usually just ask a more fun question than anything mm-hmm. else. If if there was like a like the Twitter message that you could kind of just put out there, mm-hmm. that would just be be an important message right now mm-hmm. for for people from you. you know, what would that message be? When you get up in the morning, remember who you are. Don't forget that, and do what you're passionate about. Because if you can find out where your passion is, then uh, great work will happen through that passion. That, for me, was the biggest reason around what I do. Find out what the core is, what gets you up, and then the rest will fall into place. Awesome. Thanks so much for yeah. uh, spending some time with me. Where can we catch you on the interweb? You can catch us on the web on www.sns-it.ca. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. Cheers.